Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer and Publicist, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 239 being recorded on Wednesday, October 7th, 2020. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg. And as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason and Scott Show listeners. Jason, uh, if there's one thing we agree on, it's our love of data. And one of our favorite data sets is the e-commerce data published by the U.S. Census Bureau. Uh, both of us get a lot of questions about this data. We talk about it a lot. Uh, I think it was episode 233. We spent uh, a fair amount of time uh, kind of just talking about the data and what was going on there that we saw. And um, So we get all these questions, and we thought, what better way to understand this data than to hear the details right from the horse's mouth? So on tonight's show, we were really excited to have, and we just learned that they listened to the podcast. That's even more exciting. Um, Paul Bucchiani and Scott Sheeler on the show from the U.S. Census Bureau. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, how you doing? We are doing terrific. And Paul, I know you guys listen to the show, so you know exactly how we always start. We uh, like to let the the um, guests introduce themselves a little bit to the audience. So maybe we could start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, how you came to the field, and in your current role at the U.S. Census Bureau? Sure. So I started my career at the Census Bureau about 16 years ago. Um, and the entire time that I've been there, I have been working in the monthly retail uh, branch. So I've always always been working with retail in one way or another. Um, my background is in finance and, and economics. Um, I dealt a little bit with finance um, in the in the stockbroker type field before I came to the Bureau. But since I've been at the Bureau, I've been in the monthly retail, uh, started as an analyst. I've worked on all industries uh, that has to do with monthly retail sales, inventory, e-commerce. And I then have been in here ever since and working as a manager. And now I'm the branch chief of the of the retail branch. And yeah, that's pretty much what I've been doing the last 16 years. Uh, that is awesome. I'm I'm always terrified to talk data and economics with people that actually know the fields. Like we have these phrases at work. There are people that are data fluent and there are people mm-hmm. that are data literate. And I'm like barely data literate. Um, <laughs> so I'm thrilled, thrilled to have some data fluent people on the show. Um, and Scott, can you uh, introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks, Jason. Um, Scott Sheeler. I've been at the Bureau, uh, we'll just say longer than Paul. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've been involved in basically retail, wholesale, and, and services my whole career. Currently, uh, both Paul and I are in the Economic Indicators Division, where we are kind of responsible for measuring a lot of the economy from the trade balances to the manufacturer shipments, inventories, orders data, to the quarterly services data, to monthly wholesale, and of course to retail. Um, so we have a we we cover most most of the economy in our in our division, um, and our specific area is responsible for what the fancy title is consumption and wholesale indicators, which basically means we can cover consumer spending, retail and services, as well as the wholesale piece of the economy. So um, that's what we're currently doing. Uh, prior to the bureau, I actually started here right out of college. Uh, and actually, my degree was in business statistics, so I'm one of those few people who actually ended up in a career that 
match their degree title. Oh my God. <laughs> that, that is certainly impressive. And I just want to clarify because some, uh, before we even get going, people talk about U.S. Department of Commerce data and they talk about census data. Uh, you guys both work for the U.S. Census and this mm-hmm. is in fact U.S. Census data, right? So I'm assuming for the most part That's- people are confused when they give other departments credit. Yeah, so you're correct. I mean, like the, the U.S. Census Bureau is part of the Department of Commerce. So, you know, and it's it's always been one of those things where every time a release comes out, you'll notice when you look on the news or something, it says the U.S. Department of Commerce released today, the retail numbers, right? But it comes from the U.S. Census Bureau. Got it. And then this is for sure the coolest part of the U.S. Census Bureau. Is that also true? Well, absolutely. Of course. Yeah, no doubt. No <laughs> There's doubt. no doubt about that. Everyone just thinks that, you know, you know, I've always said, I always have to clarify. And Scott probably has to do the same thing whenever we're somewhere and someone says, hey, what do you do for a living? And be like, oh, I work at the U.S. Census Bureau. What do you think they say? Oh, so you count people. Right. So it's not. <laughs> nope. there's there's more to it than that. So. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, like, I assume everyone's first reaction is, wait, you you only have to do anything like every 10 every years. Every 10 years, right. What do you do the rest exactly. of the time? Yeah, <laughs> I have to come up with some some answer, but it's not hard. <laughs> yeah, I like that you introduced that you're from the Bureau. It makes you sound like the FBI. I bet you yes. cocktail parties are like, we're from the Bureau. We're from the Bureau. You just yeah. slim it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, well, let's start at, at kind of the, the super 30,000 foot level Um you you guys put out a bunch of I guess you call them products. Um, so there's like the advanced, the monthly, the quarterly. Um, maybe talk listeners through uh, the those products and then you know how you get this data and roll it up into the products. Sure, sure. I'll I'll take that. I'll start with that. So um, right. So you really can't talk about all the monthly retail programs without kind of seeing like where it starts from at census. And so you know, but. Besides our monthly surveys, we have an economic census, and then we have also an annual retail trade survey. So, you know, the economic census is basically the foundation of the retail programs. Um, It's collected every five years, and it's similar to like what we were just talking about, the the, the 10-year population counterpart, the decennial. Um, What it does is it collects information for all retail stores in the U.S., including sales by product, business characteristics, employment, and payroll. Um, And then there's the annual survey which comes out every year. And that's roughly about 20,000 companies. Okay. And that collects um, more than just sales and inventory. It also collects things like purchases and accounts receivable and things along those lines. And then you get to the stuff that we do in our branch. So the monthly retail trade survey and the advanced monthly retail trade survey, which I know can sometimes give people um, a little um, hard to understand. Um, the the monthly retail trade survey is roughly about 13,000 uh, sample size. Okay. And what we do there is that collects, that actually collects sales data, inventory data, and e-commerce data. And it comes out approximately six weeks after the close of the reference month. Um, it's been around since 1951. Um, and, uh, it, you know, we'll talk about the data in a little bit about like the types of data, not seasonally adjusted, seasonally adjusted. Um, and then the advanced one, which is the advanced monthly retail trade survey, which I believe is the one that most people use and the one that everybody gets excited about on, on release day on CNN and Wall Street. Um, that is a sample size of approximately 5,500 companies. Um, it's a subsample of that monthly retail trade survey, just like the monthly retail trade survey is a subsample of the annual survey. Um, that has been in existence since 1953. Um, and it goes, um, it basically, the only, the only, uh, uh, data that we collect on that survey 
is sales data because it's such a quick turnaround because it's a it's basically it's released approximately two weeks after the close of the reference month. So um, as Jason probably knows, um, it will be the the September data will be released next Friday um, on October 16th, and that will release the September data. And that will also then release the the monthly retail trade, the preliminary data for August. So and then in addition to that, one last piece is the is the quarterly retail e-commerce product, which, as you can imagine, comes out quarterly um, and that collects just the e-commerce data. So it takes data from um, just the just the e-commerce firms, the data that has already been collected on the monthly retail trade survey. But it's broken down into just the e-commerce segment. And then we also have a supplemental product that came out last year which gives you even more granular data and takes that top line e-commerce number and breaks it out into, um, into NAICS codes, which we'll get into uh, different industries. So you can kind of see more, uh, more of the granularity, which people have been asking for for some time now. So um, that's kind of like the, 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 the quick overview without spending too much time on that. I hope that, that, I hope that hit and what you were. Yeah, it's super helpful. Um, can you give us a sneak preview of the data? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice try. <laughs> the, uh, you, when you said some of these things go back to the 50s, that immediately popped in my head was someone had to go, you know, I'm envisioning that being on like some kind of a, a punch card and then like having to convert it into some format that you can work with now is how, how does that data like, how did you guys have to go convert that data back to something you can, you can now make more digital? Well, that's very great question. Very, very good question. So when I first started here <laughs> a long time ago, um, one of my first tasks was to, uh, we had all these on paper. Um, and so we scanned them in basically there. And some of them, because you can imagine, were, were quite uh, discolored. <laughs> uh, but we had them. And so what we did is we scanned them and uh, we were able to uh, put them on the web um, as PDF documents. And they are on there from, so if you actually go to our website, which we will talk about later, uh, census.gov backslash retail. I'll try to plug that as much as I can. Um, you will see on there, uh, we have all of our historic data for our releases. So users can go in and then they can actually pull up like the, the May 1964 release and see what the sales were back then. So it's pretty cool. Very cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah believe it or not, I, uh, you know, what Paul got here, I gave him that assignment. Yeah. Somehow, that's... He, somehow he still <laughs> stuck around. He didn't like go running <laughs> yeah. for the hills. That's the hazing. Yep. Um, the new guy comes. <laughs> it was like the hazing. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I got a first project for you. I'm still what with you know him. About yeah. the <laughs> I was a little worried. I said, "Is this is this what I'm going to be doing for, when I got here?" Like, <laughs> chief, chief scanning officer. Yeah, right, right. The uh, so the every five year when you said all retail stores, so that's mm -hmm. so like what? How many retail stores are there? Is there like fifty thousand, a hundred thousand? Like, I, I have no idea. So, so I'll, I'll take this one. So. So basically, the economic census does uh, basically a collection of all uh, firms with employees. So, so there's roughly, you know, I don't know what the latest number is, maybe in the million range of locations, retail locations. Of course, there's not that many um, retailers because there's retailers with multiple locations. But we, um, you know, we do ask uh, retailers that have a number of stores to provide information for each of their individual stores. So it is a massive operation. You know, not quite to the scale of the ten-year population census, but it's it's a it's it's a pretty big operation where we do reset kind of like all of the information we have about businesses. We, we have methods to do that in the interim, in between the five years. There's there's ways we get structural changes and we get updates from other administrative sources. But that's a big kind of once every five years we kind of reset and do an actual physical like basically like a physical count. 
Wow. Do you guys like dread that year? Like when's the, when's the next one? I don't know where we are in the cycle. So it, it's, it's, it's not every year and the year's ending in two and seven. So the next one's yeah. 2022 and uh, Paul and I defer to our colleagues on that one. We let them handle that one. We, okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. We got our hands full with the monthly. There's, a, <laughs> yeah, there's say. another, <laughs> another area that takes care of that. Just like there's another area that takes care of the annual, um, okay. you know, got to break, break them all up. So but yes. we, work, we work very closely with them. As you can yes. Yeah. So you guys spend the bulk of your time on the monthly and quarterly, just making sure all that, that that's enough cadence that it's a full-time gig. That, that takes up all of our time. Um, it, it's a challenge enough to get that data out uh, as quick as we do uh, with, with, um, with uh, the, you know, the, as reliable as we'd like it to be as uh, collecting all the data that we do. So yes, it keeps us very busy. And then we have other things that we do, uh, which we'll get into later, like when we actually, uh, you know, uh, benchmark to the annual survey every year. So we have different things that we do uh, besides that, but that keeps us busy. Awesome. Um, so I want to double click into some of this, but a, a couple of quick questions first. Um, sure. So uh, 13,000 uh, businesses fill out the the monthly retail trade survey and 5,500 uh, yes. businesses fill out the advanced monthly. Is it the same 13 and 5.5 every month or does it cycle or? Great question. So what we do uh, it is the same every month for a certain period of time. So we do a what we call a business sample revision. Uh, we do that roughly every five years for the monthly retail trade survey and about every two and a half years for the advanced monthly retail trade survey. That way it gives uh, it, it's it give it puts less burden on uh, respondents out there. Uh you know, so that someone's not reporting to the survey for, you know, like 40 years straight or something like that. And now, obviously, um, depending on the type of company, um, some people there, there are companies that stay on the survey for a longer period of time, but, uh, but it is the same ones each month. And the 5,500 that are on the, uh, the March sample side are just a subsample from that 13,000 in the monthly retail trade survey. Got it. So on, on that cycle, you pick your 13,000 uh, respondents and your 5.5. And then it's actually the law that they have to fill out that survey, right? Like, So it is the law for them to fill out the annual, but the, but the monthly retail trade and the advanced uh, uh, retail is, is not mandatory. It is voluntary. Um, but we do stress the importance um, to the respondents when we, when the, when we uh, mail them and talk to them. Gotcha. And then, so then uh, we ask for for these 13 and then presumably uh, you very reliably get some subset of that and some subset you don't get. Like if you uh, if it's voluntary and some people don't uh, provide, do you just use like some statistical means to sort of uh, level it up or or so, what do you do? Yeah. So we there, there's lots of documentation on our website as well, census.gov backslash retail that has uh, sections about like how data is collected, um, how, how the survey works. Um, and so, you know, we, we talk about ways in there of how we how we handle and how we take care of companies that did not report in time. And and uh, and Scott can even give you a little bit more information on this as well. Yeah, I mean, I th basically, if the company doesn't report, then yes, they're you know, as part of the monthly retail trade survey, we will, we will um, develop an estimate for them uh, based on either the, the reporting history of the company or how the companies, in, uh, the other companies in the same industry are performing for that month. So we do come up with a replacement value uh, for companies if they don't report. Got it. Okay. Um, and fun fact, I, uh, I was actually just on an NRF digital council meeting this week. Um, and the, the NRF's uh, chief economist was, you know, talking about some stuff and he, he, 
you know, uh, not surprisingly leveraged a bunch of your data and mm. people are asking him all kinds of questions about your data. And like, you know, these are all the VPs of e-commerce um, and a, uh, as a joke, and, and this will make more sense later, uh, they all called themselves the chief non-stores officers. That's the, <laughs> the, the unofficial title that they all gave themselves. And they were all talking about how, uh, when they were earlier in their career, it, they, it used to be their job to fill out the census. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. So there were, there were several people that were like, oh man, I used to have to do that every month. Uh, so, so that's, that is just kind of fun to think about. So. We're all um, super uh, short attention spans, of course. And so everyone pays attention in my world to the advance monthly because we want to talk about last month as soon as possible, right? And so two weeks after the month close, you give us this cool advance data. Um, A month later, you get a bigger sample. Does... uh, so I'm assuming if I wanted to look at like a three year trend or something, I'm I'm probably smarter to use the monthly uh, survey ver- monthly product versus the advanced monthly product because I'm only losing one one month of data and I'm getting a bigger sample size. So yes, you're correct. So the advanced one, like you said, is the one that everybody looks for, right? It's that first indication of how the how the economy is doing and the number that that uh, that people see. And then what happens is you have time then. So, you know, there's re- if, if a company cannot report in time to that advance survey, they then can report in time for the possibly for the monthly. OK, so uh, so you're going to get more you're going to get more data in the monthly series than you do in the uh, in the advance because there's because over time. Uh, you're going to add to it uh, because you can revise at any moment in time, you can revise the prior month. So like, like when we put out data next, next um, Friday for the September, March, we'll also be putting out the August preliminary. Now that just came out last month. So there's to be more data that comes in. You know, you'll get a more updated number, which is when they start to talk about what our revisions are out there. Um, so yes, if you're going to develop any type of time series, that would be what people would use. And then even more so than that, what happens every year is we will, in the, in the April timeframe, is we will put out our annual revision, our benchmark report to the annual, and could, and opens up for us to add even more data at that point. So that's how that would work. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And then one more question, because um, Scott's chomping at the mint to jump in. Uh, sure. The... Um, when you get that more data, like, do you actually publish a revision, for example, to the advanced product or, or does it just show up in the, the monthly product? So it'll show up in the advanced product as the prior month, but and it will also show up in the monthly product. So because only the prior month is getting revised. So that's where you will, that's where you will see it. Um, we do not go back and like recreate the report again, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, no, but, but so to be clear, like on, October 16th, you're going to yes. publish an advanced monthly product that has yep. the September data in it. You'll publish the monthly product that has, or no, uh, mm-hmm. that has the uh, August data in it. Is yes. that right? Yeah, August. Yes. Um, and will you also publish a revision to the August advanced data or no? No, there will not okay. be a revision to the August advanced. There will be there will be a revision to the August preliminary, but you'll see that in the September advance in the columns where we show the revisions to the August, that'll be there. And you'll also, even at that point in the August uh, uh, full report that comes out, you'll also see the final revision that you can make for July. So you could still actually correct that as well. Um, and so that's that's how that works. 
the other thing to add there is when we release the monthly retail trade survey. So like in the example we're using, um, when we release the August, you know, next week, when we also release the September advance, the August will also include a bunch of additional detailed levels. Um, because the advance is so quick and the sample size is smaller, you know, the so you know the industries or subsectors we call them subsectors um, that under retail that we are able to publish you know are, are somewhat limited you know so we are able to expand that and publish a lot more detail um, when we do the when we do the larger monthly survey for for example like in clothing stores like in the advance we'll publish clothing stores but in when we get to the um, monthly we're able to break it down into women's clothing stores or family clothing stores or shoe stores or you know et cetera so. That's that's the advantage of having the larger sample and, and and having a little more time to get it done is that we are able to dive into the data a little deeper. Very cool. I don't know why I never connected these dots, but does does all this roll up into GDP? Good Great question. question again. So uh, <laughs> yes, so the the it's about a third. Um, the retail data is about a third of the personal consumption expenditure component of GDP. So and the other two thirds is is uh, made up of services. So that's how that's yeah. how the retail part goes. Yeah. 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 I've uh, started a new company that's digital services. So I have this whole spiel where I talk about GDP breaks down, you know, consumer services are much larger than consumer goods. So you guys create GDP. That's crazy. You measure, (laughs) you measure GDP. Yeah. We actually work and we, we work with, with, we we work with BEA a lot who creates GDP. So they're actually, you know, when we were in the building, they're in the building we're into. So (laughs) it's a little easier. Yeah. That stressed me out. I don't know why. (laughs) Yeah. They're a sister, uh, Sister agency of us under the Department of Commerce. Very cool. Okay, I never, I never connected that. Yep. Uh, I don't. Maybe I'm the only one, but who knows? <laughs> I doubt it. No. <laughs> the uh, so then let's go let's go back to the data. So, so Jason kind of sure. teased this non-store definition. Give us. I'm the e-commerce guy on the show. So, um, you know, how does e-commerce come out in these reports? Um, store, non-store. What what are the definitions of all those things? So I'll give you the high level. Um, in the in the monthly report, so in the advanced report, we have a non-store number that comes out at a very high level, and I, I've heard Jason hit on this before in previous episodes. It, it, it includes more than just e-commerce, so it's going to include things like fuel and uh, like direct sellers and catalogs for those that are still around, things like that. So, and then once you get to the monthly retail trade survey, the the, the larger one where there's a little bit more detail, there's an actual e-commerce line there, um, and so. In that line now, it's you're, you're taking out the fuel and the direct seller, so you just have the e-commerce, but you only have the e-commerce for companies that um, that do not that that do not fulfill from their store. So they have a they're big enough that they have a separate warehouse that they fulfill from, and that's what goes into that number. Um, I'll let Scott now talk a little bit about what goes in if you're of what goes into the quarterly e-commerce report and how that breaks it down even a little further. Yeah. So on the, so, so on the, you know, so on, on the monthly, you know, we have that line that says electronic shopping and mail order houses, you know, still keeping the mail order houses in there as a touchback to what it used to, what it started as basically, um, you know, but it, but it includes, you know, anything, a company that would be classified as one of those things would, would have. So if it's all sales, whether it's online, whether it's, whether they actually still have some mail order operations, if they take a phone call, you know, and process an order that way, all of that data would be included. So it's not 100% e-commerce and it's not all of the e-commerce. So what we try to do on the quarterly basis is we produce two things. One is just a high level report that basically take, sums up for all of retail. And this will be excluding food services because technically that's not retail. Um, 
what's the total e-commerce number? That's the number that, you know, comes out once a quarter, you know, that gets quoted. And, and you know, when we release the uh, second quarter uh, e-commerce data, you know, like on a seasonally adjusted basis, and I know we'll probably talk about seasonal adjustment later, that was roughly about 16% of retail sales for, for the second quarter. Um, so that's so that was the original report. And that report's been around since the fourth quarter of 99. We started doing that back then. Of course, in recent years, and you guys have touched on this in some of your podcasts, you know, it, it's a little grayer what companies are now doing with their online fulfillment. Um, and as a result, we've tried to adapt what we're able to provide to the users. Um, specifically, you know, as Paul said, the, the goal behind the non-store is that that's really a non-store operation. Well, now you have all these things like, you know, fulfill from store, ship to store, uh, Bopis, you know, you have all these different components, which graze the, you know, what are, what are people doing? How are they breaking it out? How are, how are people reporting the data? Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're at the mercy of the retailers to basically um, report the data as they see it. And our goal, and, and because like, like Paul indicated, you know, we're, we're relying on the businesses to produce the survey. We try to align what we ask them with what they have. You know, we don't want to give them all these elaborate instructions that basically maybe at the end of the day would basically I'd label us to put it in all the right buckets, um, but they can't give it to us. And then we just lose the response and that would be worse. So what we tried to do is we tried to say, okay, you know, recognizing that there might be some inconsistency in, you know, how a company either, you know, ships to your house or you buy online, pick it in store and how that's fulfilled might be different. We basically produced an experimental product uh, about a year ago. And actually I think Jason referenced this in a podcast not too long ago. Um, that, you know, where we kind of tried to combine it and say, okay, you know what, regardless of whether a store tells us they fulfill it from their store or they fulfill it from a warehouse, you know, if the store say, you know, a clothing store, let's just sum all that data up together. So if they fill it, fulfill it from their store, fulfill it from warehouse, no matter what the, you know, what the origination is, you know, let's just call that like a digital transaction, online transaction, whatever you want to call it. And let's kind of group those together. So that you could kind of see how things are, you know, how that performance is, you know, across the various industries and how it compares to one another. So, so that was a big, that was a big achievement. We were able to do that with the data we already had from companies, which was nice. We didn't have to reach out and burn the companies again. Um, and, uh, and it did provide some granularity. And of course, with, with the, the data that's been coming out in the past, you know, five or six months, I mean, it's, it's really provided some insight into, into what's been going on. Very cool. The, um, and this is a question to feel free not to answer this. So, um, you know, so as an e-commerce guy, I immediately kind of think, well, you can't measure e-commerce without measuring Amazon. Is there, do you capture Amazon in this at all or, or, and it's fine if you can't say. Uh, we can't, we can't we say. Can't say. Okay. You're correct. Um, yeah. We cannot say. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all, all retail, all retailers are eligible to be selected for the sample, but okay. we can't talk about any specific ones. Got it. Okay. I have had a feeling that maybe since so that's fine. Um, the other thing that's really interesting though, is so like Amazon is there's Amazon themselves and then there's all like all these third party sellers. So it seems like, you know, and then, uh, you know, the company I started previously, we, we had thousands of these little sellers. So, um, you know, it'd be interesting to, you know, 13,000 could be a bunch of small ones. You could have big ones. Is there, how do you get the mix for that to try to look like the U S mix? Is there, is there some stats magic you do there? Yeah, so basically, and that's kind of where the economic census comes in, is that by having all that information on all of the businesses in the United States, we're able to 
stratify the sample so that we can, you know, um, produce estimates at the levels we want to and, okay. and make sure we have a good mix of the large businesses, small businesses, et cetera. Um, and we stratify it based on size, you know, the size of the business. And, you know, and then we can use the economic census data as kind of a, you know, the target population to make sure it's representative. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. So that gives you, you know, you, you have this five-year check-in to kind of mm-hmm. understand what the, what, what the, the statistical relevance of everything is. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. So uh, just a couple more clarifications on the, on the e-com data and we'll move on. Uh, obviously like this is what we get the most questions about. So, so, uh, a, like just to reemphasize what you've already said, every every retailer accounts differently. And some some count their e-commerce separate, some don't. Some call it e-commerce if they take the money online. Some call it e-commerce if the product's delivered to the house. Like there's a ton of different definitions. And you're trying to ask questions that the retailer is likely to know. <laughs> right. Versus, right? <laughs> yes, um, so, exactly. So that- super hard. Uh, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for sure. I, I can absolutely appreciate that. So in the abstract perfect world, if I'm a Scott Star Wars memorabilia.com and I don't have any stores, I, I'm only online, I should be reporting 100% of my revenue as e-commerce. And so on the advanced monthly, it's going to be bundled into the non-store and in the monthly, it's going to say e-commerce, right? That is correct. You would you would be what the industry calls a pure play. So yeah, you would exactly. be your your entire your entire business uh, lives solely online. You would fill that out, right? And exactly what you said, you would be in the non-store category in the advance, and then you would be in the um, you would be in the electronic uh, e-commerce uh, portion of the monthly, and then you would also be in the quarterly report. Yep. And then if I later opened a store and I, I sold half of my stuff out of the store and the other half uh, I shipped to customers' homes from my fulfillment center, uh, in an ideal world, I should be reporting uh, half of my sales as store sales, which would then show up in the in the appropriate category, which I assume Star Wars memorabilia is essential goods is probably the category that it belongs in. Critical. Yes. And then Can't the other it. half of my sales, I would report as e-commerce. Is that, am I so, thinking about? That is correct. Right. And if you were so nice as to break that out for us and give us that data like that, then yes, it would, that's how we would yeah. capture it. Yes. Correct. But it's entirely possible that someone filling out the survey is just going to say we're predominantly stores or we're predominantly e-commerce You're, and therefore we're going to yeah, put all the numbers in one. And bucket. this is kind of like what Scott had hit at before. You know, we're, we're always going to be at the mercy of the retailer, right? As to how they deem what they, what they think the definition to them is uh, e-commerce or retail, right? So no matter how we tweak our definition or try to learn more about the definition from, from doing research and talking to people, you know, we know what we want and we know what we deem to be what, what e-commerce is. Um, it's just getting everyone's opinion to buy in on that is, is that, as I said before, is always going to, is always going to be the challenge, but, but we're always, we're always trying to reach out and talk to different uh, agencies and, and, and uh, establishments to see, you know, what, what, what others are, are thinking as well. And we've gotten some good, some good feedback from people. Yeah. We, we, we spent, we spent time working with like a lot of the trade associations. You mentioned National Retail Federation earlier. We, you know, we work with them, um, you know, and, and, and try to, you know, and others to make sure that we, that our definitions represent kind of how the industry views, um, you know, the definitions, uh, the e-commerce of course is changing so fast and so rapidly that that's a hard one. 
Yeah, I was going to say part now. of the challenge is it's a moving target, right? A, because if you target. if it you is. were talking about, and I know you can't talk about specific retailers, but if you were talking about Target five years ago, they had a bunch of e-commerce and they shipped it all from a fulfillment center. Today, they they fulfill eighty percent of their e-commerce from stores. So, like whatever was right five years ago for them would not be right today. So exactly. What, yeah, one, what, one it, other, go ahead. I was say one other clarification is that. You know, what we, what we do for e-commerce in terms of companies that have like a separate e-commerce division versus their brick and mortar stores, either whether they started as brick and mortar and went to e-commerce or vice versa, is similar to what we would do for any part of retail. So if a company operates furniture stores and they operate clothing stores, you know, that's two different industries. And so we would ask them to split out that data separately. And for the most part, companies will split the data out. And similarly with the e-commerce, we, we, we get good cooperation. The companies will split out the data so that we can put them into the different industries and measure how furniture stores are doing and clothing separately so that we don't like, you know, put the furniture trend in the clothing in the clothing stores uh, industry. So so that, that's it's similar to how we do it for all the industries. We, you know, we would so a, a complex company that operates four different types of stores, you know, grocery and furniture and clothing and department stores or something could be in four could get four different. Uh, request from us to fill out. Got it. Um, and then one more thing on e-commerce, and then I'm I'm going to move on. I promise. Um, <laughs> That's the, a cool thing about the new e-commerce products is so if you're just looking at the monthly data, the monthly product, mm-hmm. you're going to see e-commerce aggregated. So you're going to see a total number for e-commerce, but you're not going to know how much of that was apparel versus um, home goods, right. for example. Right. And so. So one of the cool things about the quarterly product is you you then try to categorize or disaggregate the e-commerce into those categories. Do I have that right? You do. Uh, th- that has been something that has been asked of us for a, a, a pretty pretty long time. Um, and, and, and as you can imagine, to get a new product up and running takes takes years and years of research and talking to people. And me and Scott were involved with that as well as other as well as some of our other colleagues meeting with different organizations and stuff. And so to get that put out. Uh, for that granularity for people, um, you know, it w- was a was a huge success. I think people we've gotten some some very good feedback on it um, because and especially like if you look at the if you look at like the most recent report, you know, in a time like now where a lot more a lot more activity is happening online. Right. You wouldn't you wouldn't know from the quarterly table that we put out before um, when it was just the top line number that something like uh, food and beverage stores. We're up 101% from the previous quarter, from second quarter to, to from the first quarter, and that and that from the prior year quarter is up 220%. I mean, that's that's huge. And you would have never got that before without us having that supplemental table. You would have just got a large e-commerce number. And I think a lot of people would have just been like, oh, yeah, we know e-commerce is large right now because everybody's buying online, right? And there's all this new stuff like buying online, pick up in store. So to get that granularity with and, and get to see a lot of these different industries and, and what they're doing year over year is, I think is a, is a definite value for people. Awesome. Um, so now I want to transition. Uh, so uh, you, you mentioned your URL, uh, census.gov forward slash retail. Uh, you'll be happy to know that's the third favorite on my favorites bar. 
that makes me happy. <laughs> Probably makes Scott happy too. So <laughs> wait, what, what, what are one, what are number one? And yeah. Two? What are, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't be too mad. Sorry. It's Gmail and like and, <laughs> my, my work salesforce.com. Okay. Login. I'll, I'll allow that. Yeah. That's good. That's <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're right up there. That's great. Um, I'm not saying I organized it by frequency or anything, but, but you are where you are. Um, so, but on the morning of August, October 16th, mm-hmm. like I and a lot of other people in the industry will get up and we'll, uh, I, I'll admit I get up too late to actually wait for the data. It's already waiting for me. <laughs> um, uh, I'll get up that, that data's available. I'll, uh, do, you know, look at, see what happened and I will start throwing out some tweets about like what I found interesting about the data. And so will a bunch of other people. And yes. <laughs> to my annoyance, uh, none of us will say the same thing or quote the same data. Right. So like <laughs> three people will all say, Oh, uh, the, uh, the U S department of commerce, or I will say the U S census bureau, uh, Thank re- you. released, uh, <laughs> this data and X and it was by 5.2% or whatever. Right. And then someone else will say a different thing and it'll be 4.3% and another, per- um, and so I want to kind of, and I think I know why that's happening. Um, and I know you guys know why that's happening, but I want uh, our listeners to understand um, what's happening. There's a bunch of different cuts of the data and different ways to look at it and different ways to talk about it. And unfortunately, most of us are cherry picking some data and we're not perfectly attributing the look or the cut that we're referring to. Sure. Um, um Go ahead. You don't. Yeah. So, sure. so the first thing uh, that that I like, so that like I wanted to unpack that a little bit. There's a couple of uh, uh, part parts of that, but the the first thing is you you do um, you have like top lines, but then you have a bunch of categories, and most of us are interested in a particular subset of categories. And if, if unless I'm mistaken, you do a, su- a couple of subtotals, right? So if we just wanted to talk about automotive, there's an automotive line. If we just wanted to talk about the top line, there's a top line. But for example, the top line is going to include new car sales. It's going to include fuel sales. And it's going to include restaurants, which you guys call food services. Is that? That is correct. Um, and... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to, I was, if you're, I was going to tell you like the different breakouts we have, if that's what you, yeah. Think. Yeah. Hit sure. Me. So we are, we, so like on the advanced report, for example, we'll have uh, the retail and food services total. That's everything with retail. And like you just said, the, the food services, right? What, what we will, what we will provide and publish is a not seasonally adjusted number and a seasonally adjusted number. So, and then we'll, you'll have the level and then you'll also have the percent change from the prior month and the percent change from the prior year, right? And then you'll also have like the rolling quarter. So like what you were just saying is you will get a lot of different, the matter, depending on where you go, you might see one that says retail sales are up like, you know, two tenths or, and then another one says retail sales are up five tenths, right? They, one could be looking at, at not seasonally adjusted. Another one could be looking at seasonally adjusted. One could be looking at year over year. What we tend to focus on and what a lot of people mostly quote is the seasonally adjusted month to month trend and then whatever the revision was. Um, Along with that total, like you were just saying, we also then provide a total that excludes motor vehicle and parts dealers, because that is a category that a lot of people like to see. They want to know, but since auto is so big and makes up such a large portion, roughly like 20% of the retail total, um, people want to see, well, what would it be without 
um, without auto, right? So we provide that number. And then we provide a number that excludes gas, just gasoline, since that's a big number. And, and you know, with everything that's been going on that goes on with gas and how that's so price-driven, um, people want to see what retail would be like without that number. And then we have a total excluding motor vehicle and parts and gasoline. So it excludes both of those. So you could just get the number uh, retail without those in it. Um, and then there's the retail number. So that number is retail excluding food services. If you do not want to see food service, it'll still have the motor vehicle and parts and gasoline in there, but it will remove the, um, the uh, food services. And then one last one that you'll see, and it does not come from us, but a lot of people in what you might hear is something to the effect of the BEA control group. And so what that is, is that's retail and food services, and they take out auto building gas and food services. So that's a number that sometimes you'll see quoted in various uh, news outlets, but it does not come from us. We, did, we don't have that control group that we use. So th- yep. that kind of clarifies some of the categories totally. and, and the different. Okay, good. Yeah. So the first thing is like a bunch of us could be taking a, a, a different segment that we're looking at, and it could be one that you gave, or it could be one I calculated myself, right? Like I, I, sure. uh, I can aggregate up uh, a bunch of the categories and just skip gas, for example, if I wanted, right? Um, and side note, part of the reason people would take categories out is particularly if you're interested in e-commerce, historically, there's some categories that weren't very e-commerce friendly, like almost no gas is sold via e-commerce. Like today, there are some some edge cases where maybe it is, but for the most part, you know, gas wouldn't be eligible to be an e-commerce sale. Um, in the old day, a lot of people don't consider restaurants part of retail. Um, I, I disagree, but I, I get it. And in the old days, there was no e-commerce for restaurants. Now there's a lot of e-commerce for restaurants with DoorDash and whatnot. Um, in the old days, nobody ever bought groceries via e-commerce. Now a bunch of people are buying groceries versus e-commerce. So in the old days, if you wanted to say like the core categories that were common for e-commerce, you might have taken, pulled grocery out and uh, food services and gas and auto, right? But today, you know, Tesla sells online, uh, you know, grocery is like 12% e-commerce right now or something like that. Um, for for each of those things, the, the definition that, an, that someone like me might use, like, to be fair, like, ha- like, we have to put more of those categories back in because they are increasingly falling into the e-commerce bucket. Um, but so besides that, you, you hit on some other things that we all tend to use differently. You give two sets of numbers, uh, seasonally adjusted and non-seasonally adjusted numbers. Correct. Yes. So I'll let Scott I, take I'll, that I'll one. try to tackle this one. This is, this is a, a popular question, as you can imagine. So, yeah. so generally speaking, you know, the data we get and we aggregate up goes in to produce what we call our non-seasonally adjusted number. Um, with a couple of caveats. One, you know, the industry, much of the retail uh, sector follows like the uh, the retail reporting calendar, right? They op- they don't operate on a calendar month. They try to keep four and five week periods together to maintain the times of years and the, and the comparable basis year over year. So they so they report, you know, not for the month we're measuring. So for September or something, um, I think the. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll report a period at the which I think with the retail ending date for uh, for September was, but it was sometime in early October, right? So it's, it was a period that ended in early October. It wasn't sure. really September 1st to 30th. So we have to adjust that to put that all on the same basis because not everybody follows that. We ask them for their September sales and, you know, something like the auto industry doesn't typically follow the retail calendar. The grocery industry has their own calendar in many cases. So 
So we put all of that on the same basis. Well, once you, once you do that, and, and whether you have to do it or not, there's differences, of course, in months. There's differences in numbers of days, you know, from the extreme of 28 in February, except for this year when it's leap year, the 31 in a number of months. You know, if we just kept the data not seasonally adjusted, you would have increases just based on the different number of days in a month. You'd also have differences in the month or increases or decreases based on the fact of what those days are in the month. Um, you know, if you have a month that has five Saturdays in it, that can be a huge increase in certain things like, you know, just think of like a grocery store on a Saturday versus like a Tuesday. So if you had a, you know, if you had five Saturdays in a month, they could overly inflate those numbers so that they may not be comparable, you know, to when you're comparing it to last month or when you're even comparing it to last year because the calendar can shift a little bit. So we do, we do make an adjustment for essentially that trading day difference. We do have some adjustments for things we call like moving holidays. Um, this, the most, the most obvious example of this is like Easter and the change in spending patterns around Easter. So when it's in March, the spending is going to fall more in March. When it's in April, the spending is going to fall more in April, depending on the timing. When it's in the middle, it kind of overlaps the two months. So we make an adjustment for that. And then, of course, we also make an adjustment for really what the what we call it, which is seasonal, the seasonality of the industries. Um, this is the fact that, you know, in in the springtime, people are planting a bunch of flowers. So they're going to a lot of lawn and, you know, a lot of nurseries. And, you know, so so we'll, we have to do a seasonal adjustment to just account for the seasonality. Um, so so we do all three of those things. We do a seasonal adjustment. We do a holiday adjustment where appropriate, not every month, of course. And we do a trading day adjustment. So that basically you could put all of the months on the same basis. And in theory, you can compare any any period you want across the whole time series. You can do a month to month, a year to year. Um, you know, you can take a, any quarter and compare it to any quarter in a prior year. Um, the goal of that is to basically remove remove the extraneous factors that might cause the data to be different to hopefully, you know, uncover the actual underlying, you know, growth or decline that might be going on in retail. Yep. Okay. And then you you also h- highlighted one other um, variable that comes up a lot, like people will quote a percentage, and it's super important to know whether they mean percentage change from last month or percentage mm-hmm. change from the same month last year. Yes, and that's and you know, and I know a lot of the industry follows you know year over year as as the metric that is tracked, and of course, a lot of it is same store year over year. We we don't do same store; we do whole store. So basically if you if you had 500 stores last year and you have 400 stores this year, you're going to show a drop. You're not going to show a same store for just the 400 you have left. Uh if you and and vice versa. If you have 600 instead of 500, you're now going to show an increase, you know, rather than just the performance of those 500 stores. Uh one important thing to clarify actually that I meant to mention earlier was um we don't price adjust this data. So it is nominal in nature. So things like gasoline where which can be volatile for prices you know, that can be, and that's one of the reasons like people try to exclude gas sometimes because it may be a little misleading um, because there is, there is no price adjustment done. Our, yep. our friends at BEA do that when they put it in the, uh, in the GDP, they do a price adjustment. Yeah. And I was going to say uh, less frequently, but occasionally you will see um, some U.S. Census retail data that's attributed as inflation adjusted. Um, and my assumption is that's something that someone did with the data themselves um, right, right, after they right. got it from you. You guys, you guys don't 
we don't do that, right? Yeah, right. We don't do that. It's just that's other people. You know, this the, as you can imagine, there's probably just there's a lot of people sitting there waiting for the data on that day, right? And so they get the sure. data set, they download it into whatever program they want to use, and they run their own regressions or models and apply things, and they come up with their own. And you know, they might fail to say in whatever article, whatever that you see out there, a tweet or something, they might put something there that is of like fact that it came from us, but that's not the truth. Yeah, yeah. totally got that. Okay, and then now I'm going to throw out my premise for. Which data I prefer to use, you can react if you want, right? Um, so, so in in general, if I'm talking about an absolute number for a particular month, so the dollar value of last month's sales in a particular category or whatever, um, I'm going to use the not seasonally adjusted number because that's that's the actual number that happened in that given month. But as soon as I start talking about trends over time or comparing two different times, I'm going to quickly switch to seasonally adjusted numbers because it's going to more accurately reflect um, the true true changes uh, fr- between those two months. I think that's I would probably I think- agree. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. I think what you say make, makes complete sense. Uh, using over the time for the seasonally adjusted to take out, as everything Scott was just talking about, like the moving holidays and the seasonal, seasonality and stuff, you want to see what the true trend would be. I think that makes sense. But from a one-month perspective, if you want to see what the real data is and you want to look at the not seasonally adjusted, I think that makes sense as well. Yep. And then in terms of year over year or month over month, I'm in, for retail and there's look all this data is there because there there's a legitimate reason you'd want all of it. Um I'm a big fan of year over year data um because they're like e- you know even with the seasonal adjustments um the there are too many things that are just intrinsically different um from from month to month in in retail. Uh, or in most categories of retail. So it just, it feels to me more apples to apples to say, you know, uh, what what happened versus this same period of time the previous year. Uh, so what you say makes sense. And I, and I think you're a lot, as Scott would probably agree with, a lot of, uh, a lot of, out, of what you will see from, from uh, news outlets out there and, and companies and research firms, they usually report year over year. Um, and even when we're looking at, uh, like when we look at our data and we compare it to outside things like what we're seeing from like black box intelligence or like for food services or for things like that, a lot of those uh, places and co- a lot of those organizations will, will quote year to year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely makes sense. I think we're, we're we, we definitely show that's why we show both. I mean, and what we focus in on is, is I think people want to see on the day of is always they want to see like what happened from last month. Um, but I guess, you know, it's whatever serves your purpose. And I think, and I think during the current times, you know, with the with the pandemic in the past few months, I think the, you know, it's it's important to use the month to month and the year to year in conjunction with each other, right? Because some of the trends are so extreme, it's um, yeah. that it's kind of it's easy to get lost in like the size of the numbers going down and coming up. Um, so using it, you know, in, in conjunction with the year over year gives kind of a, a checkpoint against okay, so this is saying for this month it's up or down X. But like, what does that mean? Like, where were we at compared to, you know, pre-pandemic levels or, or, you know, where were we at compared to where we were last year? And I think, I think it's important to be able to use both. Yep. And, and I think one of the advantage, one of the, you know, advantage of having seasonally adjusted data is in theory, you could compare, you know, August of this year to February, even though maybe that's not a comparison you normally would do. 
you could do it because, you know, if you wanted to kind of see, you know, a before and after kind of perspective. And, yeah. and that's why in our report, uh, we'll always, we will supply the month to month and the year to year and the not seasonally adjusting, this seasonally adjusting. And we'll put out tweets because like, as Scott was just alluding to, you know, you see something interesting, like, like from last month in August, like food services and drinking places were up like 4.7% from July. So everyone's like, okay, that's been up like three months in a row now, but it's still down 15.4% from last year. Um, and throughout the whole year, it's, it's down when you look through the first eight months of the year. So when you look at a lot of these different categories, they look good on a month to month basis, not so good on a year over year basis. But then some of it is the other way around, uh, where things look great on a year to year basis, like what we've seen with non-store retailers through the, through the last six months or building materials, right. Or grocery. And I think when people see that those in those categories, it may, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and so then two other little things just popped up. Uh, I forgot to mention it earlier, but, but when you're thinking about what categories you want to look at, one, one kind of gotcha to know is there are two categories that have the word food in them, right? Like there's yes. food service, which is a restaurant. Um, and, and then there's, there's food retail, which might be like a grocery store. Do I have that right? That's correct. Yeah, so the, the Nate, the, the industry four, four, five, that is food and beverage stores. So that's going to be your grocery stores, your liquor stores, your your all those types of all the uh, other grocery stores. They're not restaurants. So what's in the seven two two industry, which is food services um, and restaurants, is exactly what it is. You get things like all your your takeouts and your food, your restaurants and your 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 fine dining, your limited, uh, you know, all anything that has to do with that. It's not a not a grocery store. So sometimes people get that a little a little confused. Yep. No, exactly. And then you you just referenced something that I'm ashamed to say I didn't know, but it suddenly occurred to me, of course you do. Uh, do you guys tweet stuff yourself? Like, is there a, a Twitter account we should be following? We do. So we actually have a Twitter account and an Instagram and a Facebook. It's just at U.S. Census Bureau. And actually, on the so if you follow that, on the day of the release, we have an, uh, we, we call up with our tweets, they get reviewed, and then they are released on the day that we um, that we put out our report, uh, we'll put out a number of different things. We'll show a different flavor of like our month, you know, our month to month trends that look interesting year over year trends. So we'll put anywhere, but sometimes between eight, to eight, sometimes 10, we'll do it on our quarterly reports also. And we're going to start to try to get into the business now of, you know, not necessarily just on the day of the release, but if we have some interesting things that not to overload everybody all at one time to maybe like later in the week or sometime throughout the month, it's just to also put out some interesting facts. Nice. Um, and uh, I'm assuming it's super easy uh, for just anyone in, in your office to just send out tweets under the government accounts. Oh, it's the <laughs> easiest thing you've ever seen. I mean, we can do it. So we never get any backlash or anything. It's like, me and Scott do it ourselves. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, as you can imagine, yes, it is, uh, it is difficult, but it's something that we've been, you know, it's, it's gotten a lot of good feedback. Um, you know, our department, the area that runs that it's nice to see like when we're like when we're actually i think one month we were actually trending and there was like some some cool stuff going on there um and that it's really it's really neat to see that stuff definitely the um so so i know we're you guys we're, we're recording this at kind of a late time so we'll go through these quickly um you kind of have talked about how you look at some other third-party data do you, do you guys kind of triangulate on that at all or or feed it in so so we have people on the show that can they look at credit card data. There's tons of data out there. Do you guys look at that at all? So, so yes, we've actually, um, we, well, f- well, first of all, we, we use a lot of third-party data just in the normal analysis and validation as we, you know, like a sanity check against what we're seeing. Um, but then we also in recent years have been working with a number of companies to try to 
kind of blend the data between like the third-party data, survey data, other administrative data that we might have internal to the Bureau to try to produce some uh, some estimates. And actually just uh, last week, we released a new product that is actually, it's another one of these experimental products that we did for the for the e-commerce breakouts, um, but it actually is breaking out our monthly data by state. So we're doing modeled estimates where we are blending data from a third-party source, from survey data, and from internal administrative data, and producing uh, from January 2019 to the present um, monthly uh, data by state uh, for the non the non non store, the non e-commerce, basically the brick and mortar component yeah. of retail, uh, mm-hmm. because allocating the revenue to the e-commerce component. We're, we're, we're still working on how to figure out that methodology. So, but, um, and, and, you know, and, and so we, we've, we've partnered with some third party companies to investigate how we could do this, the accuracy of their data. Um, and, um, you know, we've been working on it for a couple of years and we were able to uh, produce something and we're always looking to like, see what other data is out there. Um, you know, there's data is much more available than it's ever been before. And, um, you know, we, we're, we're trying to see what we can leverage without having to burden the retailers, which already have enough on their plates. Cool. Uh, random question. Do, does, is the services, that's not you guys, but are, do they have geographic breakout, Tina? Services does not, uh, does not yet. Service, the services data is on a quarterly basis. And of course it covers, I mean, it's like you mentioned earlier, it's a, it's a huge part of the economy. So it, it, it's very broad in nature. Um, but no, we do not have uh Geographic, geographic breakout breakouts yet, but we do. Uh, that is on our list. Yeah, um, tell them you know a guy that would love geographic breakout <laughs> of auto services data. <laughs> I, I, I will make sure. I went and when uh, when we need it, when we need somebody to to support us, I will come back to you. And all, right. Uh, all right, all right. Yeah. But conversely, statement. you need to commit to fill out some good surveys. For As, you, I was, Scott. I will. Yes, yes, I'll yes. be happy to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, that's right. I, we expect your cooperation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, but of course, we couldn't tell anybody if you were or were not on the survey. Absolutely, and I wouldn't divulge yeah. that either. <laughs> well, it'd be, it would be totally obvious because Scott is actually the biggest part of the service economy. So if it's a big number, you know he's in there. Um, so, and one one side note on the third party data, there are a ton of other people that that like have their own panels or or surveys or things, and they publish data. Uh, what listeners should know is almost all of those companies index their data. To your data. <laughs> yes, a lot of them. Um, yes, that's correct. Yeah. So, you know, if they're hearing from 10,000 people and they want to scale it up to, uh, like, they, they do a correlation and say, hey, how does our estimates map with the, the U.S. Census data? And if it follows it closely, then they, they feel like it's, uh, it's credible. Yeah. Um, so, so when you're looking at almost any data set in our space, there's a good chance it's at least influenced by this U.S. Census data. Uh, so it's very fundamental. Um, I do want to wrap up. We're almost out of time, but just briefly talking about tools. We've talked about your website a couple of times, and I would just plug on your website that it's surprisingly functional. Um, so listeners should know you can download Excel data. You can download a PDF and you, you know, you can load that Excel stuff into or a CSV into whatever analytics tool you want. But you also have like a, 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 a pretty functional kind of, um, click and, and answer query engine. So you can pick which of these categories you want and what date range and whether you want adjusted or, uh, or not, and and you can grab almost any data set that you might want pretty easily straight from the the website. 
that being said, there are other tools that uh, are pre-integrated with your data. Uh, so I uh, I know Google has some experimental tools uh, with their BigQuery where they have some of your data, although I don't think they grab it right away. Um, is it the St. Louis? Who's St. Fred? St. Louis Fed. Fred. Yeah. 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 Fred. So that's St. Louis Fed, and they have some really cool um, tools that are preloaded with your data. Uh, I'm lazy, and I sometimes use a commercial tool that you do have to pay for called Wide Charts that has a bunch of your data in it. Are there, um, are, are those the, like, I'm assuming you guys primarily like use the raw data. Like, are there any tools I don't know about or that are, uh, personal favorites I, I, of yours? I think you've hit on the, on the ones that pretty much are the, you know, we, we've worked with Fred before and, and so we're familiarity, familiarity with them. Um, but yeah, the Y charts, I know I, I've used it before. Scott, Scott uses it. You know, we, we, we're always looking at, at, at different things. I mean, you know, we're data guys also, obviously. So we're always looking at, at all types of stuff. But yes, we do use a lot of our, a lot of our own data. And I'm very happy to hear you say that the website is, is functional because <laughs> it wouldn't be good if people were having issues like finding things on there. Um, you know, we, we're always looking at, at ways to, to, to improve that too. I mean, we're actually probably going to be going through a transformation of that website at some point soon to make it even a little bit easier. But, um, so that's, that's always good to hear. Um, Scott, I don't know if you, if there's anything else that you might use. No, I mean, I mean, we, we, we work closely with the folks at the St. Louis fed, um, and, and to make sure their data is there. I mean, uh, you, you didn't mention, but our data is available on an API. So anybody who wants to mm-hmm. pull the data, um, can, can pull that data pretty quickly. Um, you know, and so people, people are able to do that. We, um, you know, so I mean, and and you know, you mentioned Google, you mentioned white charts. And there's a lot of people who aggregate our data and 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 sell it. And one and one thing we want to remind people is that you know, the data we produce is you know, it, like you said, and maybe maybe some people manipulate it a little bit, you know, uh, make it a little bit easier to function to to work with in the way you um, you need it. But all that data is available free on our website. Um, and then people do repackage it, and and there are there's value adds what they do in many cases, but it is all available free. Um, and you know, as Paul and I always say, if there's ever anything when you go in there, you're confused, you can't figure it out. You know, reach out to either one of us. We'll make sure, we'll make sure our contact information's in the show notes too. And feel free to reach out to us with any questions or help for navigation or insight or whatever, and we'll 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 help anybody we can. You may regret that offer, but that's awesome. No, that's well. You have you have our email now. <laughs> you have our email and phone number, so <laughs> we can't hide. Yeah. Uh, the uh, one one minor last question. Um, I, I mentioned so October sixteenth is the next drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never get up early enough to know the answer to this. So, like, is there a particular time of day that it officially goes live? Eight thirty a.m. on the dot. Eight thirty Eastern time. The, yeah. So the so the eight thirty Eastern time is always when. The um, when the advance report comes out, and of course you'll get the the, the full report for the prior month, um, and then our e-commerce report. So the uh, third quarter will be coming out on November nineteenth. That report comes out at ten o'clock, and you'll get the supplemental t- data along with that. Gotcha. And are you guys up super late on the fifteenth, finishing this, or or did you finish uh-huh. it at a reasonable time? And so it all depends. It, right, <laughs> uh, it all it, it all, all depends. depends. It, I, I would say most of the time we're we're up decently late. Uh, you know, we, we love it though. We're, we're, we're into the data. We want to make sure we have everything, you know, that we're comfortable with. Um, and so, yes, we're, we're, we're usually, cause we do all our own, all of our own dissemination in the office as well. Um, and then we're, you know, then we're coming up with the tweets and then we have to clear our data with our in-house folks. Um, and then we even do a briefing downtown. Um, well we did when we were in the office, 
uh, with the undersecretary. So yeah, I'm gonna, I don't want to get political at all, but but uh, I would highly advise you to not go downtown right now. Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, so we're re- really grateful for all you do. This is su- a super important part of our industry, and it's really helpful. That is going to be a great place to leave it for this show because uh, slightly exceeded uh, our allotted time. Um, as always, if people have uh, specific questions, you're welcome to hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. I will put links to the uh, the Census Bureau website, Scott and Paul's contact info, um, and some of the tools we mentioned in the show notes. Um, but guys, uh, this was a real pleasure. I really, uh, and I learned a lot, so I really appreciate your time. I'm glad I had a, I had a good time. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we really appreciate the opportunity. It was fun. Thanks for joining us, Paul and Scott. We really appreciate uh, not only coming on the show, but you guys are, are, you know, the data you put together is amazing and we really appreciate it. And, you know, positional awareness is really important and you guys give that and we really appreciate it. And until next time. Happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com. 